Well, hello, everyone. I think the Lord's trying to speak. You're going to take care of that, right? I heard my small group somewhere over there. They're all spread out because they think I'm going to use them as examples and different things. But I won't, Scott. There was a man years ago that was tormented to the point where he was giving up. Everything that he believed in, he questioned. And one day, he discovered Romans and the message that Romans had. I'm sorry, I'm an emotional guy. But he discovered the grace of God. And it radically changed his life. We would not be here today if God didn't do a work in Martin Luther. He was in the Catholic Church, he was in the church. And there was just something that was going on that he could not figure out. And then one day he discovered God revealed to him that he is saved by grace alone. The Apostle Paul, another individual who was in the church of the time and believed that it was all about the law. He had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And Jesus revealed to him that it's about grace. And today I want to be able to talk, and I know that this could be my only message to you. So I wanted to bring you the best. (laughs) Chapter 8 of Romans is the chapter that I think in the Bible, it is the chapter. It covers everything. Paul says that, In the first chapter, he says that it is the power. He is not ashamed of the gospel. That something happens. And I don't know where you guys are today. What you're struggling with. Where you are. What you're thinking. But I hope at the end of this message that you will be encouraged. My present position in... I'm, I'm still working. I, I have an office in L.A., and fortunately, I work from home. So I'm here, but I'm a training manager. God called me out of full-time ministry into another ministry. And I deal with training individuals. So today, I'm, I'm, I'm a trainer. I guess. And I always, as we develop curriculum for our, what we do, my team, I always ask them, what is your objective? What are you trying to do with this training? What do you want to do? And so I'm letting you guys know at this point, 
I want you to know that my objective is that you will be changed, that you will be encouraged, that you will be able to understand what it means to be saved by grace alone and what that power is. The theme of the chapter is that he wants to give us assurance. Paul wants to give us assurance of what it means for their salvation. Do you guys ever wonder? Do you ever doubt? You go through a situation, you sin, there is something, and then you wonder, oh, am I still there? The first verse says, Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There are four words. My wife always tells me, you're always worried about words. What do they mean? Well, when you study theology and you, you want to know what it means, you want to be able to go back, you want to understand what Paul was really saying. Condemnation. I think, well, I was going to say, I think most of us know what that means, but do we? Have you ever been in a court of law? Have you ever been found guilty? Have you been condemned? I haven't. I don't really fully understand or feel what it means to be totally condemned. But God's word, as we look at what it is and who we are before we're outside of Christ, we are condemned. The good news is there's some other words that we want to look at in this verse. Now. The main point of that is that it's pointing to change that has come to the believer. A simple word, no. In the Greek, this word is hard to translate into English. We don't get the full flavor of what it really means. And so today, I want you to understand that when Paul is using this word, that the Christian is now in, not in a state of condemnation, but more importantly, the, the way the, the word and means in Greek is that he can never be. It's impossible. If you were in Christ Jesus today, guess what? There is no condemnation. You are not condemned anymore. And then the last word that I wanted to look at is therefore. Anytime you see in scripture that it says, therefore, you always want to go back and see what it is. When I was a senior pastor and preaching every week, I would go verse by verse by verse in a certain book. I, I studied. Uh, I always wanted to be a teacher and preacher. I wanted to do all those things. So looking back, Paul has already examined certain things that you need to understand. First, he wanted to let everybody know that anyone outside of God is condemned. They're destined for death. It doesn't matter how good you are, you're destined for death. God provides a way. He loves us. Grace I think, every, well, 
I was going to say, Pastor Lucas kind of set me up here uh, as far as words go, uh, but there is a theological term, justification. Justification means that we have been made right. We're no longer condemned. It's a legal term. Justification, and then there is sanctification. It is the result of what takes place as we are justified. Something happens that we are now going to live a certain way. Verse 2 says, hey, we have been set free. Are you in bondage today? Are you struggling? One of the worst days of the week for Leslie and I when we were younger, and I, I don't know, maybe it is for you guys. It's better now, but Sunday morning was always the toughest day. Especially when you're the preaching and you want to stay in bed and she would say, hey, you need to get up. What for? I don't, you know. It, you got the kids, you got whatever. You might have had a difficult morning this morning. And you might be wondering, hey, what's this all about? We have been set free. In verse 3 and 4, Paul introduces the idea of sanctification. Being made right. It says, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So we have justification, sanctification. Jesus says that we are are free from all condemnation, now you must leave. Do you remember the story of the, the woman who was caught in adultery? And the Pharisees drug her in front of Jesus to trick Jesus and to say, hey, how is he going to deal with this? Because the penalty was death. How is he going to do that? And of course, Jesus, being who he is, handled it quite well. If you remember... But the thing I want to say this morning is the king on at the very end, he said, no one condemns you. I don't condemn you. But he didn't just leave it at that. What he said is sin no more. So when we think in terms of what Paul is driving at here is we, we need to understand that even though grace has saved us and that we have no now are not condemned anymore, there is something that takes place in our lives, that it moves us to sanctification. There are four important truths about sanctification or holiness that I want to just bring out shortly. One is holiness is justification's goal. Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, we're not going to need to go there, but it talks about what God does for us. In chapter 2, it deals with we are created, and this whole process is for good works. So the end result is that, hey, he wants us to, to be able to do something because of what it is. Growing up out in the South Bay of Los Angeles, uh, I was 
I had a difficult childhood. My sister is looking at me right now like, what are you talking about? We were only five blocks from the beach. I basically had, I was the baby of the family, so I got a lot of stuff that Sally never got. I had freedom. You know how it is, the first child, you're really, you're really tough on that one. By the time you get to number four, you do whatever you want to do, Joe. I, the last two years of my high school, I went to school to 10 o'clock in the morning. I'll never forget the day that I was out. And it was actually Wally's, I don't know, what was your first car, your Volkswagen? Was that your first car? I had been out surfing in the summer, and my cousins came from Ohio. And while I was out, they thought it would be cool to move my stuff off from the beach down to another spot. Well, they lost my only key to the car. No problem. Just pop the hood. There's three little things. You just touch the wires together, and you do that. 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm out in the student parking lot. I'm hot-wiring the car. I noticed a couple boots on the ground, and I'm like, ooh, those look like uh, police shoes. <laughs> I pop up and I go, officer, I, I know what it looks bad, but it's not. First, I'm the only one out there who leaves school at 10 o'clock and then hotwiring a car. Fortunately, I was able to show all the registration and who I was, and then I was able to jump in the car and go to the beach. That was my junior and senior year, I wanted to be at the beach. I love surfing, I love, and I think Lucas, you, you're a surfer. I love body surfing, anything in the water, I, I, I love it. And one of the things that you learn, and it's funny, amateurs, those who haven't really experienced it, they don't understand the power of the waves. They don't understand how to catch a, how to catch a, a wave. But I want to tell you that there is a force. There is something there. And if you can grab that, no matter what you do, you're going you're gonna to go. Holiness is a result of justification. There is something that happens to us as we move. So I, Paul was trying to let us know that, hey, even though you're saved by grace, there is something that's going to happen. Holiness, the second key is holiness consists in fulfilling the law's just demands. Jesus talks about a path, and we need to be on the path with Jesus if we're truly his. He talks about a wide gate, a narrow gate, a narrow path, a difficult path. That's the path that we need to be on. That's the path that, that is going to result in life for everlasting. On the other side of that is that there are ones like Paul who thought that, hey, if I follow the law, and he followed the law perfectly, it still didn't result in, in salvation, in being made right. So the two errors is this one being like a Pharisee or the other one that we find in our world today is just, hey, you're licensed to do anything. There is no rules. There is nothing. I can make it up. 
whatever it is. When I was going through school to get my counseling degree and studying psychiatry, there is a manual uh, that they use to detail to diagnose someone with mental issues. And it was really strange to me that the very first one back in, I think, in the 1960s when it first, the first volume came out, homosexual, that was a deviant. That was a mental illness. By the time that I was doing uh, learning, it was the third volume. And guess what? They were saying homosexuality is, is not. It's okay. And I learned very quickly as I was studying, understanding what man thinks. It's whatever's normal. So if the majority of people think something or behavior is normal, guess what? It's normal. But that's not how God works. The Word of God is absolute truth. We can depend upon that, not the fluctuations of whatever it is. So holiness is, fulfills the law's just demands. Holiness is the work of the Holy Spirit. We can't live a holy life without the Holy Spirit. One of the things that, that troubles me today as we think about this, the Holy Spirit, is how do we know? I think one of the, the, the biggest threats against the church today is that people do not know. And that's what I hope that we can, at the end of our time together, is that we would understand that it would drive you to know. I don't know. There could be some here who never pick up their Bible. How do you know? Are you just going to go by the whims of the world? Or are you going to get into the absolute truth and understand? And the last one is holiness is mandatory. Verses 5 to 14 is probably the verses in chapter 8. It talks about the deliverance from sin's power over us. And Paul brings out in, in those verses that there are two classes of people, there are two types of people in the world. Earlier, Paul brought out is that there is those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. That's it. Back, I think it was the 80s, there's was a real popular movement for spiritual laws. I don't know if you guys were part of that. But in the four spiritual laws, it basically gave license and classified a third type of person, the carnal Christian. I always had a hard time with that. That's an oxymoron, right? I mean, how can you be carnal? How can you be fleshly? How can you be sinful and still be a Christian? I know some of you might be going, well, wait a minute, are you, are you 
teaching that as soon as you get saved, you're perfect. Well, I, I did have a difficult time coming into church this morning because the sign out there did say that. <laughs> Two types of people. There is no carnal Christian. There is no one who is in the flesh because of what Paul says in these verses that really tells us the biblical truth of what it means. Carnal. Sin. Being in the flesh. In the Greek, there, we need to expand our thinking. It is the total man who is sinful. Just That's it. Just think of that. So there are two types. In verses 5 to 8, it defines the unbeliever. For those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. So the first thing about what Paul is defining the believer is his thinking. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Now there is, as we think about that, you think, okay, there are sins, they're the bad side, right? I mean, there's sexual sins, there's drunkenness, uh, preoccupation with money, pride. I mean, those are some of the things that would be on the bad. But there's also the good side. Believe it or not, there is a good side. Those are the morally right people. Those are the ones who are trying to live life the right way. They are the religious people. Paul himself, he desired to prove himself to God, to prove that he was worthy of God's favor, to show that he could earn heaven. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, Hey, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, as the law, a Pharisee, as the zeal, a persecutor of the church, because he thought Christianity was, was wrong. as to righteousness which is in the law found blameless. So there are two sides. And there are good people in the church today that are they're not in Christ. That's the scary thought. He goes on to talk about the that not only that in verse 6 it is that his state where what is it? It is death. Paul is speaking of spiritual death, dead to the things of God. Anyone who it is, if you're trying to, I read a story about a theologian in England who was excited about a speaker that was coming and invited his good friend, and they go to the service, and it was the greatest thing, and he was so excited, and he goes to his friend, and he goes, what do you think? I don't know, didn't, didn't talk to me about anything. Those who are not in Christ, they're spiritually dead. His religion today, do we have new age? Do we have ones that say, you know what, I'm going to take a little bit out of the Hindu. I'm going to take a little bit out of Buddha. I'm going to take a little bit out of the, out of the Mormon. I'm going to take a little bit. Whatever makes me feel good, that's my religion. Guess what? They're still in that sinful state. And Paul then, at the very end in verse 8, he says the present condition 
cannot please God. How could he? He's hostile to God and doing everything humanly possible to resist and trample down his just law. He then, in those verses, he contrasts that to the Christian. Signs of new life, a person who has his mind set on the things of the Spirit of God, and whether this is moving as it must in the direction of true righteousness. So the Christian thinking, he sets his mind on the things that the Spirit desires. It eliminates the idea that the Christian is someone who is merely religious. It eliminates the idea that a Christian is anyone who merely holds to the right theological belief. We so often just say, hey, here's a formula, here's something the way it is. Once you have it, that's great. You know there is much more of what we've been talking about today is that there is that, like surfing, you catch the wave, you're going to be pulled, you're going to be pushed. So those who are in Christ Jesus, guess what? The outcome is sanctification. It is pleasing God. Your mind is set on those things. It eliminates the idea that a Christian is someone who has attained a certain standard of approved conduct. Isn't that part of our fear in the church? Oh, what will they think if they really knew me? I don't have a chance here because my sister is here. She knows me. <laughs> Leslie and I, when we drive down the road, we're, we're just quiet. She'll ask me a question and she'll answer it. Why? Because she knows me. I, I, I'm, I don't have to say anything. We've been together so long. Just because we believe something, just because we're in the church, doesn't necessarily mean that we are where we should be. We could still be spiritually dead. That is the fear. I have so much, but Leslie told me that I could not go. F- I don't know if they see her doing that now or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Ah, oh, my word. I love it. This is great. Um, so I, I but I want to, I, I will leave you this. Uh, Pastor Lucas, I'm only about halfway through, so I guess I'll have to come back. That was my plan in the first place. But, um, in Matthew, Jesus tells a parable about ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom. And since we're, I want to be sensitive to time, just want to bring out what Jesus was trying to get across in that parable. In Matthew 25, Jesus emphasizes that not all who claim to be are authentic Christians. And that scares me. It should scare you. The parable of the ten virgins, all invited to the wedding banquet, all belong to what we would call the visible church, all professed to have the bridegroom as their Lord, all believed in the Lord's second coming, all were waiting for Jesus All even fell asleep while waiting. And what did Jesus say? 
five, we're not authentic. I want to give you a test, since I'm a... I, I'm a trainer, I, I teach, I... So you always have to have a test. The public works guys that I train or have my instructors train, um, they need to go through certain things to understand. We had, we have a respirator certification where it's a fit test. They have to wear a certain, because of whatever environment they're in, it could be life or death. And so we would, we went to one city, we were teaching them, they had their uh, respirators, they had it all fit, everything would look good, whatever. The problem is they were using the wrong respirator for the environment they're going in. If they had a leak, they would have all died. So now we have to understand what the environment is. But I want to test you today so that you would know as we leave this place today. Here it is. Has the Holy Spirit been leading you by enlightening your mind through Bible study? Have you discovered things about God, yourself, the gospel, and the ways of God that you did not know before? Do you realize that they are true? Are you beginning to live differently? Do you really understand One of the things that God does is he stirs the heart. So I ask you today, do you love God? Do you try to please God? Do you want to spend time with him through studying the Bible and praying? Do you seek his favor? Are you concerned for his glory? The worship team can come. I am so thrilled to be in the church and to be part of you. I treasure relationships. The ones that know me know that I enjoy life. I have fun. I, I like to, I don't know how to... Scott, how's the best thing to, how, how do, what do I do? I, I like to rope you in or, I mean, I like to, right? I mean, I, yeah, there we go. So I hope that I've stirred the pot today. Because I really want you to, as we leave this place today, I want you to be assured. Because what Paul says, all the way from being no longer condemned to the very end of the chapter is... Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. It was a challenge for me today because there is so much. I've got to take in one verse and spent a month on it. 
There is so much in God's word. I want to encourage you today. I don't want you to leave this place today not knowing Pastor Lucas, he said, I'd like to have an invitation at the end of the service. And today I want you to, why don't we stand? I don't know where any of you are truly, only God knows. The reason that Paul wrote Romans, in particular chapter 8, is he wanted to give those who are in Christ the assurance that no matter what goes on in this world, that's part two of my message, no matter what goes on on in this world, no matter what you're experiencing today, that if you're in Christ Jesus, we have a hope that one day we're going to be with him. We're going to be made perfect. Spiritually, we're alive if we're in Christ Jesus. You might have come today not knowing what, what you were going to experience. I want to challenge you as you think about that test. Do you really seek God? Do you really get into his word? Do you really want the knowledge But most importantly, what is our purpose here in life? I heard once that it is to glorify God. Everything that you do, everything I do, as we get up every day, it should be, hey, how can I glorify you, God? Are you tired of running today? Has God spoken to your heart? Has he done something in your life right now? You don't have to leave this place today not knowing, not assured. You can leave this place knowing. And that's my desire for you. I'm going to pray for you. And I know that after we sing and we do the thing right now, There's going to be a spot back there that if you want and talk to someone, you need Christ, someone will help you. But most importantly today, I want those who are in Christ Jesus to be able to leave this place assured of their salvation, knowing that what God starts, nothing can stop it. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful today that you have brought us to this place. As we've opened your word, Lord, you know that there is so much there. And I just pray that you spoke, that your message, what it means to be a Christian, to be in Christ Jesus today. I'm so thankful today that we can come to this place, that we have one another. And I just pray for those who are questioning, those who need today, that you would come alongside of them, that you would awaken them, that you would touch their lives.
that they might give themselves to you. So we thank you and we praise you today for your word and what you do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.